Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Ransom Notes. Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, Catherine Ransom is our host each and every week. And she's the author of Ransom Notes, and she is the, also the author of, of the weekly editions of Ransom Notes. You're getting your emails, and more of you uh, should always sign up for that. And she was the subject of, uh, of a lengthy radio series before she became the host of this Ransom Notes, uh, her own radio and podcast. And you can hear us on 124 different outlets, and you can see our visual on uh, on different outlets and uh, and certainly her documentary uh, of all of the same name. It is her brand, Ransom Note. She has made single-handedly made that a very positive term because there's always positive things coming out of it. Catherine Ransom, how are you? Well, this uh, beautiful day in February, President's Day, uh, I'm doing quite well. We Illinois is experiencing some uh, 48 hours or so of nice weather. Uh, with bookends of snow uh, coming and just then. But the nice part, it's warm enough that the last snow piling up is about melted. So we'll be ready for the next piling up in two or three days. And, you know, that's great. But it's been fun to sort of remember and think about President's Day. Have you ever wanted to be the President of the United States, Frank? Yeah, I I think uh, growing up, I always thought, um, I, I would love to love to do that, and and because of your um, your fellow um, Springfield uh, resident, <laughs> right? I I think so many people feel that uh, nothing's out of reach because of his humble beginnings and where he started from in Kentucky, a log cabin, and Abraham Lincoln, of course, is who I'm talking about. Uh, I think a lot of people feel that it's uh, it's not completely out of the reach. For, for anybody, uh, at least starting out. And then as you get older, you start realizing, oh, maybe I need a little more money or maybe I don't want to do the things that modern presidents have to do to get there or whatever. But uh, the short answer is yes. And I think as old as I am now, the thought of being president of the United States and the responsibilities and the challenges and the people who agree and disagree, the mountains of paperwork, the never able to please everybody and most of the some of the time not being able to please anyone, somehow that goes way down on my bucket list. And so I think I'm I'm glad that there are people who are willing to take on that challenge. But it would not be a job for me. I would get too impatient, and uh, well, I just, I just, I'm glad I didn't have to ever even consider it. But isn't it great that there are some people who are willing to? Can you imagine the downside of being a child or grandchild or something of the president of the United States or the or the children of the Queen of England or? You know, all those major roles where so much responsibility is a part of it. I just, it, it just must be tough on them. But that's okay. Anyway, we're celebrating and we have lots to celebrate in our country along with lots of things that probably aren't very good and we need to change. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. By the way, Abraham Lincoln, uh, you know, was I, by far, I believe, our greatest president. I don't think anyone comes close with what, he's, uh, what he accomplished. But he was also a very unpopular president, if you think about, you know, what, uh, and not by his, by his fault, but, um, you know, he alone, when he got elected, uh, we lost half of the country, right? We, uh, they, they left even before he, he took office and anticipation of, of what would ultimately happen. And, and then the North, uh, the people who, uh, who put him in office, uh, they were impatient with him. They thought that he didn't handle things well. And of course, um, once everything all cleared and the smoke cleared and after he, um, he was assassinated, uh, it, you know, people realized he belonged to the ages, as they said, and, uh, and he went down as our greatest president. But what a miserable life he had, um, but, uh, but a well-spent life that, that changed so much for, for millions and millions of Americans and, and, and people in the rest of the world uh, for him. But, you know, you talk about a, a man who, who didn't get to enjoy, didn't get to enjoy his great success as president. Uh, and certainly, of course, there's uh, uh, much remembrance of, of Lincoln in Springfield, Illinois, including the very, very wonderful uh, Lincoln Museum and Library that uh, came to our city not too many years ago and has become quite a model for scholarship and remembrance. And someone just uh, uh, donated $400,000 to buy a a statue and have it of Lincoln, and which will become a new addition to the content of the library. And so you never know what's going to happen. But even more exciting, we have just finished two weeks of, of, of fun on the television, and they call that fun Olympics. If you were describing Olympics, do you think the words that would pop into participants' head would be fun or, oh my goodness, I think this is tough. Uh, the people participating, I would say, uh, I would say they think this is tough. Um, you know, you see the agony on their face, all but one, right? The winner and maybe the three top winners, uh, you know, have that face, but usually it's only the one that has that exuberance on on their his or her face, um, but I think the yeah, yeah this is tough is what I think they uh, they are all thinking. It must really take a certain kind of in individual who can dedicate hours and hours and hours of practicing uh, skating, skiing, dancing. Uh, whatever the sport is that they're curling, whatever the sport is that they're in, and you think about what they had to give up to provide time for all of that dedication. I think where dedication comes into mind, and I know there's exceptions to, to, to all of this, but primarily those young people, and some of them not so young, I think there was at least one person who was 40, and another person in her field, I believe, was 35. And that's, I mean, in the eyes of an 86-year-old, that's young, but that's certainly in the eyes of a sport participant and a, a, a country uh, leader and winner that's getting pretty, pretty old. Uh, and and this, this, it seems to me that this particular Olympics was overly challenging in that 
uh, none of their families were able to come and cheer them on and have a shoulder on which to cry when they didn't succeed. Um, they apparently did not have the best of housing for at least for some of them so that relaxing and preparing for the next day of strenuous activity was was difficult. I'm sure that some were lonely as they had to be isolated for days when they would perhaps have been tested at, uh, for COVID. Uh, there were lots of unique challenges this year, but I really, really enjoyed watching Jessie Diggins, and I don't know if you know what she, who she was or what, but she was a long-distance, 30-kilometer, cross-country, long-distance uh, skier. I can't even imagine, to begin with, that you could go up and down the hills that they had prepared for them for 30 kilometers. Wow, right. And then considering that apparently the wind was really uh, pushing against them at certain times when you went in the right direction and you could see the snow blowing into their face. What courage and dedication. And uh, the other interesting thing about her, Jesse, is that she had suffered food poisoning two days earlier. So imagine how that would weaken your system just a bit as you, granted, she survived it, but Obviously, she didn't feel very well for a couple of days and, you know, right at the height when you're getting ready for this long distance. But I think uh, the thing that really, really caught my attention as she is struggling, leading ahead by a, a modest amount of, of space, coming up the last hill, and she is almost totally exhausted. Her skis come across the, the finish line. She smiles quickly and falls to the ground, absolutely exhausted. Total dedication to the, to the sport gave it her very, very all. And then the second part that was so interesting, she had barely hit the ground. And two of her colleagues, and I don't know if they were fellow skiers or part of her team, but they were there with warm blankets because it was cold and she'd gone through the wind. They were there with water. They were there with a flag, the U.S. flag to put around her shoulders. They, one person reached down and helped her stand up. She smiled again and she was so exhausted that she fell back to the ground. And then, not a few moments later, she had recovered enough to be her jubilant, excited self as she is uh, receiving the, the uh, silver medal. What a person and what dedication. But I also just really appreciated the fact that she had a support team that was there to uh, give her encouragement. Her family was back home cheering. We all could see that as we watched the, the filming. But that's not the same as having them right there in uh, on the grounds and ready to comfort you as soon as you were done. And, and as I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking, you know, no, I could never, ever, ever, ever in any other sports have ever even considered or thought because I'm not that much of an athlete, even though I enjoy some of it. 
but I thought, you know, each of us, every single one of us, can stand on that podium when we get to God, to heaven, and be rewarded, not with a tangible gold, silver, or bronze medal, but with a crown of life and with happiness that we will be in peace and comfort and joy and uh, be in heaven with the Lord. What a opportunity if, but to do that. I would remind our listeners that we have to work just as hard, but in different ways, than Jesse and all of the other athletes from all of the countries did to be one of those winners and even one of those participants in those incredible days of uh, the Winter Olympics in, in China. It was great, but we need to be prepared also. So that's my thoughts on the Olympics, Frank. I, amazing. Yeah, amazing story. Uh, yeah, no, thank you for pointing that out. I, 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 I thought you would like uh, the Jesse Diggins story, and I was wondering um, when you brought up the Olympics if, uh, if you would bring, bring her up, because that was a, a courageous, um, gutsy, you know, gutsy performance. But you're right by turning it, uh, you know, turning it to how everyone else is, you know, living a well-spent life is, is a lot like finishing a race. And, you know, and again, hopefully we have a lot of life uh, left ahead of us. Uh, but if, we, if you're spending a well-spent life, if, you, if you're participating in life in the proper way and with the Lord and with faith, um, you know, maybe that's that's what happens at, at the end of it. You know, we, we celebrate and maybe we feel exhausted, but then we're rejuvenated when, when we realize we've completed our mission. When you think that those athletes, including Jesse, in, in some ways almost spent, a, it's almost a 24-hour job for them. And likewise, we as followers of the Lord, it's a, it isn't just a... Uh, one hour on Sunday morning kind of uh, experience. It really is a, uh, a dedication in a, in a lifetime and a 24-hour kind of thing. But hey, I've got a new word for you. I mean, I've got a word for you. It won't be new to you, Frank. I, I, but if I said the word lexophile, L-E-X-O-P-H-I-L-E, what pops into your head? Well, I, I only know this by a fluke, by a pure fluke. Um, somebody once called um, called uh, William Shakespeare an early lexophile, you know, or a uh, what did what did they call him a 16th century uh, lexophile or so, you know something like that. And I had no idea what they were talking about, and I thought they were saying something bad. And it, it's someone who is is uh, addicted to words, or someone that that enjoys words and word games, and. Um, and someone, um, you know, once said maybe, uh, you know, like, you know, all the word games are are uh, benefiting from the lexophiles out there. But only by a pure fluke do I know what it means. I, I'm correct on that? That's basically what it means? Well, you, you get the gold ribbon. <laughs> you don't get to stand on a podium no. and they're not going to sing the, the Star Spangled Banner. But you do get an award for having the definition right. Uh the reason it sort of comes to mind is I was reading something the other day, and they were sharing uh, all about two dozen uh, awards of people, of, of phrases 
that lexophiles had entered in the contest sponsored by the New York Times newspaper. Uh, and I thought it would be fun to just share about five of those or six with our audience and then just talk a little bit about what, what is important about words in general. So, but anyway, here's the first one. This is a, an entry from the New York Times contest for 2022. So you have to listen carefully because this is a play on words. England has no kidney bank, but it does have a Liverpool. <laughs> oh, very good. Number two, a will is a dead giveaway. Wait, uh, uh, what is a dead giveaway? I didn't get the first word. A, a will, W-I-L-L. -L. Yes, gotcha. A will is a dead giveaway. Yeah, and isn't that one clever? Because, yes. you know, you, you uh, well, in fact, yes, I have my will already written, and uh, it is a giveaway when I'm dead. Okay, a dentist and a manicurist marry. They fought tooth and nail. <laughs> That's terrific. When she saw her first strand of gray hair, she thought she'd die. D-Y-E. Wow, that is terrific. These are great. Very well, good, very good. well, these are the winners in the, in this. You know, I got one more for you. I didn't like my beard at first. Then it grew on me. <laughs> Very good. Hey, these are well. It's the New York Times. You got to figure they, they're, they're. It's a smart paper, right? And their crossword puzzles are legendary. Sunday crossword, especially. Well, and and it just shows that uh, you know there are some people that are really really comfortable with with turning words around and and and, and using them uh, in a a correct kind of way. And so with my. Christian or church or religious application, which is sort of common when you and I chat, is that I thought, you know, the scriptures have a lot to say about words and words that we say. But sometimes we use them in a negative kind of way. And sometimes if we don't use them, it's not good. And so I would just remind me myself of what are words that we sometimes do that get us in deep doo-doo and I think you know lying and gossip and social media sometimes comments are made or slander or we share a, 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 something that's not really didn't happen or we put a negative slant on it and they're the lexophile in me or you or people is being unwholesome and on the other hand the tongue in Proverbs, the, the Solomon, the, the wise king, and he's noted for his Proverbs, he says that the tongue is a power of life and death. And it, things that I can say can bring life to people, can bring them comfort, can bring them uh, joy. But believe me, I can, and occasionally I forget. And I can destroy them with, with unkind words or meanness in my voice. Uh, and, and that's all not good. So I think we have to be sort of careful about our, our the words that we say. Do you ever get your tongue into trouble? Yeah, oh, sure. And I, I, I think usually 
Uh, usually I get into trouble when I get angry and I don't think before I talk and I just I don't count to 10. And uh, and yeah, that's that's when I get into trouble. But usually, you know, not, um, you know, I mean, maybe if I'm a little tired and I say something and it comes out the wrong way. But, you know, speaking of, you know, you you know, we talked about Lexophile and I mentioned Shakespeare. Uh, he had a great line and I'm paraphrasing. He said, a thing is neither good nor bad. It's thought that makes it so. So you could, you know, you could use a, a word, just about any, you know, word that's not a, a you know, a, a deliberate curse or, or a derogatory term or sla- a slam at someone. But uh, you could use many words in, uh, in, in the same manner as someone else, but they could use, use it in a, uh, in a harsh, biting way. And, you know, on paper, it may look exactly the same, but the way it's used, the way it, you know, same thing with a knife, uh, uh, you know, working on someone's uh, heart, uh, you know, doing a heart operation uh, like you and I both had, um, you know, they, they needed a scalpel to do that or something, right? You know, some kind of sometimes or at one time they needed a scalpel and and then somebody could use a scalpel or a knife to hurt somebody. So, uh, you know, it's... Um, yeah, but words uh, are, are, you know, they can get us into trouble and they could get us out of trouble. Uh, but me, I just got to watch my temper and make sure I don't just uh, I, I don't just start talking when I'm angry. That's my biggest problem. Oh, and I have to watch that. That's I mean, I criticize myself continually because I I have a quick temper. No two ways about it. I was reading a cute little story. Well, it was cute uh, about a Civil War a Union General John Sedwick, and I'm not a historian, but it was a cute little story. And he was inspecting the troops during the Civil War, and uh, at one point he came to a parapet, or I guess that's that spot in the in a wall where you can sort of see through. And he gazed over in the direction where the enemy was, and his officer suggested, uh, "Well, you know, uh, uh, General, you better uh, perhaps uh, duck down or skip that place." Uh, and you, because uh, you might get hurt. And the general snapped back with his words. He said, well, they couldn't hit an elephant at that distance. And just as he finished those words, guess what? One of those soldiers on the other side hit the elephant, and Sedwick was dead. So sometimes we do need to be sort of careful with our words. Uh, so, it, but... You have to stop and think, is it better to say something, to say it carefully, or is it better to be always quiet, or is there a time to not be quiet? And if you were to think of a time when maybe you shouldn't be quiet, when might that be? What would come to your head? Because do you remember the old saying that that used to go around when I was a kid growing up, silence is golden, or is it just plain yellow? And using the thought that yellow is sort of chicken, uh, at least that in the old days, that's what we thought. It, it's is it ever right to be silent, or should we? Is there a time when we shouldn't be silent? Well, I, I think you know it, it cuts both ways. If you see something that's going to clearly hurt someone, and by you being quiet, uh, it, you're you're allowing something terrible to happen, but. That's subjective, and a lot of people, you know, will butt into other people's personal business at, with that as an excuse. So the thing is, I, I mean, I think it's subjective 
uh, as uh, as are many things, and if not all things, uh, uh, subjective. But uh, you know, you you need to speak up. I mean, if somebody is um, is about to walk off uh, a uh, a plank, you know, by accident, you know, walk off uh, walk into a hole and they don't see it happening, uh, by all means, I'm going to say something about it. But you know, some people would say, well, you know, uh, you know, mind your own business. What are you paying attention to? What that person is doing or whatever. I'm not going to let someone else walk off a uh, walk off a cliff because I'm paying uh, paying my own mind but at the same time um, I, I think that we we could take it upon ourselves to extend that when it fits our wants uh, or you know internal needs or whatever so I think we've we've got to watch but uh, quite frankly I, I think when it comes to faith and in your show is uh, is, is always uh, uh, faith-based and and kind. I, I I think when people speak up and when they're thinking um, uh, about reminding you of, of something that you know you know I remember the you know the bracelets uh, that got very popular a couple of years ago. What would Jesus do? And you know sometimes I have friends or my wife uh, remind me of uh, of what Jesus would do in that particular case. And I, you know, I, quite frankly, it's um, I, I look forward to people speaking up to me when uh, when they could remind me that uh, that I could be doing something more Christ like or uh, I could be doing something in a uh, in a better way to suit um, others out there. So I don't mind when people speak up to me. But, you know, I guess sometimes. You know, uh, you want to say to people, mind your own, mind your own darn business or whatever. But um, but you know what? When it comes to, to faith, when it comes to Christianity, um, you know, if, if people people want to remind people, I, 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 I don't blame them at all because it's such an important aspect of life. And it's something uh, Christianity and 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 the Lord are are are. Um, you know instances where people could could be reminded and you can't blame the people for reminding them there's there are two scriptures we might sort of conclude with this uh as we sort of stop thinking about this topic but one was is another proverb by solomon it says even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues and so there are times when we need to hold them but by the balance, Paul makes a wonderful comment to the Christians in Corinth in the seventh chapter of Second Corinthians. And he apparently, uh, if as you read, uh, had sort of, in today's language, I would say chewed them out, but I, he, was, he would have been more kind than that. But Paul says, even if I caused you sorrow, by my letter, and that's one way that they communicated then. They sent letters. He sent letters to the churches when he couldn't be right there and he couldn't zip on American Airlines to pop into Corinth, you know, and he's in Ephesus or somewhere. He said, even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I don't regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while, Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. And isn't that what you sort of do with kids? I never had children, but isn't it necessary sometimes to say tough things 
to children. And if you don't, they're never going to grow and be. And you do sort of hurt them at times, at, at least as I observe life. And yet, as you see them grow, you're so glad that you had that tough time, and then you have to give them a hug, and you have to say, "Hun, I really was for your own good, or whatever that might be. But sometimes silence is bad, and sometimes silence is good. And finding that balance is, I guess, our challenge for today to our audience is, when, when should I keep my mouth shut? And when do I need to make sure that I let people know uh, that I care, or that I love the Lord, or that I believe that God created the world, or whatever the topic might be. And that leads me to my last sort of little comment. This phrase I saw in the on email yesterday, or a few days ago. Focus on yourself and not on others. Now, I wasn't sure I agreed with that. Should I be focusing on me? Or should I care more about focusing on others? Or is there really a third option? And I guess each person will have to think for themselves. And I think the writer of that was saying so often we worry too much about others and we care about them and we have to take care of them. And especially as parents get older, you have to take care of them and you have to take care of the kids and you're so focused on your job that sometimes you forget to take care of yourself and give yourself rest and give yourself time to uh, uh, cogitate and to uh, reconsider and to renew your energy. And that's, and that is true. There are times when you need to think about yourself, but bottom line, I really need to focus on God because he's the one I need to please. And as I focus on him, then yes, I'll have to sometimes talk and help others. And sometimes I'll have to do things for myself. But my focus is not Kathy and it's not Frank and it's not the world. My focus is on God and what do I need to do to make sure he's going to be happy of how I'm helping others. I'm not going to ignore others, but I'm doing it because I love him. Does that make sense? Uh, Yeah, wonderfully said, of course. Um, That's the, you know, our our purpose in uh, in life is to live and, and to enjoy the experience that the Lord gave us, the, the creator, uh, he, uh, he allowed us to, uh, to do this, but at the, uh, at the same time, um, we should think back to, to him the same way we should think to our parents and they gave us life in, in a smaller way. I mean, uh, you know, God gave the world, uh, life and, and, and our parents and the parents before them and so forth. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, anytime, anytime you, you stop and you think about, the Lord without necessarily asking, which we've talked about before too, you know, talk to, to God sometimes just to say, thank you. Not always to ask for, for help, uh, the same way that you would do that to a friend or, or someone, uh, a mentor or a teacher or a parent, relative, what, what have you. But, you know, at the same time, um, you know, think about the Lord and don't just think about the Lord when, when you're in crisis, Think about the Lord when things are going well. 
And that's so true. And that brings up the whole topic of which we have no time today to do about prayer. That so often we pray only give me, give me God and help me or maybe help somebody else. And we forget to say thank you, thank you, thank you. And I think he likes a balance. I think parents like a balance of both uh, I need help, but uh, they certainly appreciate that their children and their offsprings and uh, uh, take time to say thank you as well as we should. But fun to talk with you today, Frank. Same here and wonderful stories. I always say no one takes an acorn, buries it, and turns it into an oak tree in about a half hour better than Catherine Ransom does. Catherine, thank you very much. I have two two closing little statements, thoughts. Okay, growing old is an, it's inevitable. Growing up is optional. <laughs> so then it says, do the math. Count your blessings. And so that's my... My thought for us as we begin to uh, celebrate the beginning, the opening of March here before we know it. So count your blessings. Yeah, and God bless to everyone listening to us each and every week. And Catherine, God bless you and and, uh, just uh, wonderful uh, words as always to everyone. Thank you very much for listening. We know you have a lot of options, and you have uh, you have 124 different options to hear us on. Uh, please continue to listen. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Ransom Notes.